This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right on the shores of Lake Ontario, in between Lake Ontario and uh, Lake Erie, right in between Toronto and Niagara Falls. So that's where we are. And we're broadcasting around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, across Europe on X Radio X. And, of course, right here on the, our own XZBN.net channel. My guest this hour, Exonation, is Rick Osman. We're going to be talking to Rick about ancient America. Now, Rick has a new book out, The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. But before I get to Rick, I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. Rick was selected for the United States Air Force Academy right out of high school. He later attended Vincennes University and earned an associate's degree of science in laser and electro-optics technology. He worked for the defense contractors a number of years and then took a job with the U.S. Navy as a civilian with an engineering support field activity specializing in radar, night vision, and laser equipment for surveillance and munitions guidance. Now, most of his work was in direct support of Special Operation Forces equipment acquisitions. In that capacity, Rick also became familiar with video teleconferencing technology. But all of those years, Rick was also reading everything he could to find out about the weird, the unusual, history, archaeology, paleontology, geography, cartography, cryptozoology, cryptography, and hollow earth theory. After leaving the government in 2004, Rick began to... Uh, hunt for hidden knowledge full-time. He also began blogging, researching, and writing, and in early 2007 started an internet radio show called the Oopla Cafe. Um, in Crenshaw to, uh, whoops-a-daisy, in another, okay, in 2008 he began pestering his longtime research buddy, Dennis Crenshaw, to start another internet show about various mysteries. Je- Dennis chose the title, Unraveling the Secrets, 2007, was also the year Rick began documenting new sites that were part of vast and sophisticated riverine culture of eastern North America. And that work continues. Joining me now to talk about his new book entitled The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley is Rick Osman. And Rick, welcome back to the Exxon. And I thank you for having me again. Yeah, it, th- this is actually the second edition of that wow. book. It's been out uh, in one form or another since 2011. It you know, came out, of course, on uh, Columbus Day because, mm-hmm. well, it was just fitting. It, it seems that Ohio has a, a rather large number of of uh, fortresses and ancient monuments. And I remember years ago talking to somebody about the Ohio Mounds. Yeah. Well, in the 1840s, when they were cataloged for the first time, there were some 15,000 mounds cataloged in the state of Ohio wow. alone. But, of course, it, the, 
the people who built them knew no lines of the sort that we would call state lines. So what's, what is the significance of all the different uh, ancient fortresses and monuments throughout uh, Ohio? Well, throughout the Ohio Valley, I would say, because it stretches the entire network, if you will, stretches from far, uh, I, I'd say, up, up northern New York State, to Wisconsin, to, well, the Gulf of Mexico. That scale of territory is what was controlled by these people, whoever these people were, wherever they came from, whenever they were here. And there's a lot of conflicting evidence on each of those questions. Well, you know what? You and I have to take our first break. When we come back, let's talk about some of this conflicting evidence. Uh, always great having you on the show, Rick. Once again, our guest this hour, Nation, is Rick Osmond. He is the author of the second edition of The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. And Rick and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, Exxon Nation, um, if you'd like to find out more about Rick, here is the website, www.ancientamerica.com. That's www.ancientamerica.com. Com. one eight seven seven. No, we're not using that line tonight, Craig. Okay, Craig says we're not <laughs> using that line. But you can always send an email to exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, And check out the Exxon Broadcast Network where you can find out what shows we have, what time they're on, and who our hosts are. Kevin Randall, let me see, uh, Detective Larry Lawson, Joanna Carroll, Dr. Kimberly, Joe Wegent, and many more. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, 
And of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program, for the secret to everything is for you, the listener, for those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Tomorrow being, let's see, Wednesday. I'll just give you a bit of the lineup on the Exxon Broadcast Network. 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, we have Dialogue with Divinity with uh, Joanna Carroll, followed by A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Tim and Justina talk about the Mandela Effect. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka. Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Dr. Bernie, MD, talks about connecting with coincidence. Know the name, know the genius in you with our very special Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Paranormal Stakeout with Detective Larry Lawson. And The World Beyond with Joe Wegent. And then three hours of the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. That's tomorrow right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network for all our shows, all our listings, all our times. And to listen to the network feed, www.xzbn.net. My guest is Rick Osman, and we're talking about Rick's new book, The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. Uh, Rick, before we went to the break, you were saying that there's there's contradicting evidence when it comes to these places. Well, in some cases, certainly. Um, One of my favorite examples is the Great Serpent Mound, because we have three different sets of Mm -hmm. dates, each of which has been offered up by, you know, academia. So they're arguing amongst themselves about when this thing was erected. And they have burials and they have pieces of charcoal with C-14 dates and whatnot. And and they can't seem to agree on when this thing happened. This thing is a quarter of a mile long and, you know, it's head high in places and it's very intricate. And uh, according to some researchers, Mm -hmm. it employs a great deal of uh, alignments to the heavens, so to speak, of this pile of dirt. If my memory serves me correct, exactly uh, on the other side of a is it Lake Erie? Yeah, Lake if Erie you're going north. Yes, yeah, in Lake Erie in Ontario, there's a, a Mound Provincial Park. Correct. Yeah. What 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 were these mounds used for? Great question, and it varies with each individual mound or complex of mounds. Some of them were certainly ceremonial Mm -hmm. and had some high ceremonial purpose that we really don't know. We just say it had a high ceremonial purpose. Others are very much more prosaic and used in a utilitarian way. And and that's the ones that I'm studying in detail because they were used as a network for communication, line of sight communication. Just like you drive around and you see cell towers. Wherever you see a cell tower, it's on a high piece of terrain. That same high piece of terrain has been used for the same purpose in the past, but with different technology. Well, certainly the Mayans used the same uh, technology. Correct. Throughout they used, the, they yeah. used the same general technology. Yeah. They almost certainly used a different um, alphabet. Yes, definitely. <laughs> numerical system, all the things that would go into the enabling technologies, if you would. 
for a line of sight communications network. What do we know about the people who built these mounds? Very little, actually. Most of the burials that we find associated with them are either intrusive burials by a later culture, mm -hmm. or it is a context that has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with day-to-day -day life. This was a high ceremonial elite burial of probably someone who actually was sacrificed to make this happen. And we don't really understand why any of this happened the way it did. All right. Through, but to say that, through the archaeological archives of, of, of North America, not including the Mayan culture, sacrifices, that, that's, very un, that's very rare, isn't it? Not as rare as, uh, not as rare as they want it to be. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Why would Mount they... seventy-two at mm -hmm. Cahokia had, I believe it was forty-four bodies that were beheaded. These were clearly sacrifices or executions. Why and it was on a, you know, city-sized yeah. scale. So why would they? Why would archaeology want the truth suppressed if? As I understand it, what they are trying to do is give us a better picture of our past so that we can use the knowledge from the past to improve the future. Well, again, that varies with what you're actually studying and the questions you're trying to answer. As an example, our current bunch of people in academia and government do not want a bunch of ancient natives to have been able to talk to each other across a continent because that would make them much more sophisticated then would justify the overtaking of that continent by, you know, we benevolent, uh, whatever we are. Yeah, I'm still father, trying to. I'm still trying to figures. figure. I'm still trying to figure out how we're the good guys when we were the invaders. Correct. Hmm. And and but again, you know, the conquerors write the histories. The the winners always write That's the history. Truth, yeah. Is there so, is there any information about these past societies and the mound builders when you? when we look into the the history or the folklore mythology of Native Americans? Uh, certainly. We, we have, of course, it is a, a, a jumble because we don't have one history for everything. We have as many histories as there are surviving tribes. And, in fact, we have more histories than that because we have at least a few written versions of tribes that are now extinct. But to say that there was a history of waves of invaders coming into North America, or the Americas in general, mm -hmm. yes, that, that is well entrenched in nearly all of the tribal histories. It, there were also histories, lore, uh, however you want to say it, mm -hmm. tribal history, of Americans going to the old world to try to solve some problem or make some trade. I so it's not a one-way ticket. I understand that that uh, trade was was done through the nickel areas of the Great Lakes with um, with Egypt in order to make bronze, copper, copper, well, copper, 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 right, copper, yes. right, right. And the tin that um, would go in to make bronze with that copper, ninety percent of that came out of Cornwall in England. So once again, why not tell the truth? Why not say, "Look at how rich our past was. Look what it's we." It's too scary for them to think that, "Hey, these people were smarter than we are now," and they were. They were far smarter than we are now, with regard to matters that you mm -hmm. know, true survival and whatnot. Well, we know for a fact today that Christopher Columbus didn't discover the Americas. That was the Vikings, and there are, I would say, fifty percent of historians and archaeologists who are happy to live with that. Why not the rest? Um, it goes into, and even with the Vikings, remember you've already had 60 years of complete resistance by both academia and government to accepting that idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because if there were anything that nullified the land claims that we all, Americas, all the Americas, traced through Christopher Columbus, if any part of his tale was false, then those land claims are false. And guess what? His land claims are false because he found Christianity in America, and that was part of the whole papal bull, the, what they called terra nullis. If you find a land that is empty of Christians, you can claim it for, well, your country and for the church. And the people there who are not Christians, they are therefore property. Do with them whatever you wish. 
So that's why they always brought a member of the clergy on their expeditions. Correct. Huh. That sucks. So <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. And the English uh, settlers, particularly Virginia Company, mm-hmm. uh, John Smith actually documented Christian like rituals amongst the Susquehannocks and other tribes that he encountered. And, uh, hey, Queenie, what do you want to do about this? Shut it up. <laughs> just, just be quiet. And he documented all of those villages with crosses because, well, they were Christian Indians. Well, isn't it true that the Christian crosses are signs of areas conquered, just like with Islam, they build a mosque in order to show an area that they have conquered? Well, yes. In some instances, that was true, particularly during the 11th and 12th centuries when mm-hmm. the the Crusaders were trying to re-expand or reconquer territory that they'd already held once. Yeah. So... With with such rich history, you know, one of my favorite topics, subjects in school was history and geography because it gave you an idea into the richness of society and, and so much more. Uh, I feel as if we've been ripped off with the lies and not learning the true history. And who do you blame? Academia. <laughs> well, academia is towing a line that they are taught. They're, you know, they're they're thrown into this. Take take an individual historian. Mm-hmm. Oh, look! I found one line in this book over here that says all this other stuff is wrong. Well, do you stake a reputation on that one line in that one book? Mm. <laughs> but but if you're saying that where you go, where there are no no Christians or non-believers that you conquer and that is your right to conquer that land, then I have to put a lot of the blame on the church. Absolutely. And, and we must. <laughs> um, because that's where the blame belongs. Mm. But the, the other end of that stick is now here 500 years later or so, we've got all these countries with all these borders and all these constitutions and all these laws and stuff that may not have any meaning in reality. So in order if to all keep... this, <laughs> and, and like in Canada, as mm-hmm. an example, you have the First Nations yep. who have taken, oh, let's see, what is that word? Oh, yeah, sovereignty back for themselves. <laughs> they are sovereign nations. That's a, that's a big thorn in the side of some people. Well, you know what? The way I look at it, being a proud Canadian, is we ripped them off of their land. So, More than once. Oh, so definitely, we, you know, definitely. Both sides of that border. Definitely. You know, and and to see them, and, and I don't mean to say them a, as a demeaning way of talking, to see our Native Canadians being treated the way they are by the government of Canada, it pisses me off. <laughs> I spent. I was lucky enough to spend some time in eastern. I'm sorry, far western New York, near mm-hmm. the Seneca. Right. And uh, it's an interesting tale there because, well, they're not only having frequent battles with the federal government, but also with the state of New York, uh, claiming the land that is well sovereign land mm-hmm. to the Seneca Nation. Uh, you know, granted, the Senecas have got some skeletons in their closet, just like everybody else. But exactly. Still, they're they're taking on two different governments. But don't forget, so far, we'll, holding their own. You know, we'll we'll make it up to the to the members of the Seneca tribe. We'll give them the right to have a casino. You know, and that'll that'll kind of make <clears> up <throat> for everything we've ripped off of them over the years, right? Not in this guy's book. It, it, no, it, mine either. But but the idea that you know Indiana, mm-hmm. because that's where I live, and that's that's the the focus of most of my writing, right? Has not only historical period events that are iffy in you know what is true and what is not, mm-hmm. but a whole bunch of prehistoric events that are reported through native lore that are completely ignored by uh, professional historians and archaeologists, etc. And it usually involves someone who didn't belong here in their version of history, like Prince Maddock or you know a, a bunch of other adventurers colonists even listen you and i have to take our next break for the news please stand by great talking to you again rick exonation rick 
Osman is our special guest, www.ancientamerica.com. He's the author of The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley, second edition. And we'll be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email with suggestions, comments, or if you've got a special topic you'd like us to cover, exone at exoneradiotv.com. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. All right, Exxon Nation, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm getting really ticked off here. You know, 
we're not getting the truth. And we're taught in school, you should always tell the truth. Well, how can we tell our kids to tell the truth when science lies to us, archaeology lies to us, history lies to us? Not the history, the facts. But I'm talking about the people who teach the information. Do we, do we put the blame there or do we put it further back with the information that they have been told to teach us? But there are people who want the truth out there, just like our guest this hour, Rick Oseman. And uh, his website is www.ancientamerica.com. And uh, Rick is the author of The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. And Rick, it's always great talking to you because, my friend, you are a truth seeker. <laughs> I, I tend to be that, yes. It's not a high-paying position, incidentally. Well, you, but, know, you know what? When you look at, I'll give you an example, you know, cops are true truth seekers, well, they're supposed to be anyway. Right. And the criminals are bad, and it's always the crooks who make more than the cops. So, yeah. that, okay. Um, when we look at what happened when with the the bringing over of the of the westerners and how they gave these beautiful blankets to the natives that were that were I, I guess that was the first case of biological warfare. Well, first case in well historic North yeah. America. You know how come nobody calls it what it really was. Well, it certainly was that, and and it's not the only example. Even in the historical era, there may actually have been a prehistoric use of biological warfare by a different, shall we say, call them a bunch of invaders. Um, and in this case, I'm talking about the work of Laura and Mark Nicholas, who have been exchanging a lot of information with researchers in China, and they're looking at a set of voyages that took place in the uh, 15th century before Columbus, but well, to North America, actually all the way around the world, but spent a good deal of time in North America. And they're finding evidence that they believe supports the idea that the Chinese introduced on purpose mm -hmm. um, smallpox into North America. And that it became the end of the Mississippian culture. Wow. I've, I've heard reports that in the Grand Canyon, Egyptian artifacts have been found. Have you heard anything about that? Yes, I have. Um, the first report, that, of which I'm familiar, mm -hmm. was in, I believe it was 1919. And uh, it was written up for the San Francisco Examiner uh, by a... Um, Major Hancock, I believe, was the name associated with it. Uh, and then there, I never found any follow-up. But he described finding, you know, mummies and sarcophagi and various things that were definitely Egyptian. But, you know, no follow-up. Was it just to sell newspapers or was it real? Who knows? Well, if, if it was real and it's gone now, it doesn't matter whether it was real then or not. Talk about fake news. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, when we Hearst newspaper chain, incidentally. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> when you look at the big picture, how does it make you feel as a truth-seeking archaeologist? Uh, which part? I mean, all right. Why don't you give us, if if you would, the top three archaeological? Uh, I was going to say disinformation, but I'll just call it what it is: lies that we, the public, have been fed. Number one, there were never any giants. Number two, nobody that was here before Columbus could write. Number three, these were unsophisticated savages. I, I don't really need any more than no, that. Those are no. the three biggest lies that have held on the longest. All right, so let's go to lie number one, giants. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh. Well, it's a matter of degree, I guess. Where do you stop calling them giants? Do you stop calling them giants when they're less than seven feet tall? I, because, I guess that's all a matter of perception, isn't it? Yes. But the Susquehannocks, 
as an example, another one of those extinct but historic species, uh, I'm sorry, tribes, were routinely over seven feet tall. Their women were six and a half feet tall. The Cato of, you know, Texas coast and on up into Oklahoma, into uh, far eastern New Mexico, Mm -hmm. they were seven, seven and a half feet tall. These were not small people. These were not small statured people. That's a whole different story, incidentally. Well, can't but we even go also, back to can't we even go back to biblical times and talk about uh, David and Goliath? Yeah, eight and a half, nine feet tall. Yeah, sure. Why not? Because those accounts still exist in North America. Even even when you start discounting the seven mm-hmm. footers, you still have the eight and eight and a half footers that are in the literature. And I'm not talking about just newspaper accounts. It's not just the Hearst newspapers trying to sell more copies. It is. Uh, the Journal of the Smithsonian Institution has an example. Oh, wait a sec. I'd, I'd just like to throw something in here. If Hirsch was doing so well, why did his daughter have to rob a bank? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I, oh, I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> Both of us, you know. <laughs> Under other conditions, I'd use the word flashback, but yeah. I won't. Um, <laughs> Oh, we're going to go we disco dancing after this, aren't we? I can tell you. Yeah, but but again, there you go. There's yeah. an example of mainstream media took this story about a mainstream media character, mm-hmm. and they made it something that it was not. Right. <laughs> and and they've been doing it not only for mainstream media, but for history and archaeology, and and indeed a lot of the sciences, apparently even to include climate sciences. It's like, no, you didn't see that. That's not what we wanted you to see. Here's what we wanted you to see. Well, we don't have to worry about climate control anymore because today President Trump signed uh, an order that repeals President Obama's, what was it, 2012, Craig? 2012 uh, mm-hmm. uh, Climate Change Act or whatever it was. So there we go. Climate change yeah. isn't real. <laughs> well. But and it and it goes back to the same. Hey, this is settled science, right? Well, right. settled science says that the Clovis people were the first people in North America, and yet we've got bones from the Yukon, incidentally, that are over twenty-four thousand years old, and they have human-made scratch marks on them. So I guess that settled science is full of crap. So all right, we've we've talked about line number one, new giants. What's line number two again? That they could not write, that they had no writing capability, that they were, you know, too savage and whatnot, which two and three kind of go together. But number okay. two stems from a a position that was established by Major John Wesley Powell of the USGS and Smithsonian Institution. Uh, he founded the Bureau of Ethnology and held both hold, uh, both positions simultaneously, incidentally. <laughs> Um, so he was telling the railroads exactly where to dig up important stuff and destroy it. At any rate. Nice guy. Yeah, he said, if you find anything mm-hmm. that would indicate that natives, whatever you want to call them, had any writing, it is not writing. It is just chicken scratches and doodles. That's what I say is going to happen. Ipsy Dixit. That's the legal Latin phrase, hmm. because I said so. And that's the way it stood for 130 years. And number line number three. That they were savages, that they were incapable of civilization or mass communication. Well, or, we, we, you cer- know, we certainly know political that. Political boundaries. We, we certainly know that's the, that is a blatant lie. And yes, I'm, I'm not an, arche- over, I, I'm it, not an archaeologist. It was the mainstream of what became known as um, uh, the go west young man, the manifest destiny thing, uh, you know, we we gotta we gotta take care of those poor savages, really, because you know, without nope. them, the the pilgrims would have died that first winter. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and, and and if they are warlike, if they are vicious, it's because you're invading their space, you're killing their people. Yes. Well, you know, and as far as the the uh, the statement that they couldn't communicate, what the hell were smoke signals? Well, and that was just, you know, that was the graffiti of their age. <laughs> to, to be honest, the United States Army didn't really catch on until 1860-ish. 
that a mirror could be used to communicate across the valley. Wow. But the Maya, the Olmec, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Olmec. Okay. 3100 BC, they were making complex mirrors. They were making parabolic mirrors that would focus sunlight. Well, they, weren't, uh, they, weren't they used to uh, something that we could actually call a solar energy today? Uh, we could certainly call it a solar collector. That's Yeah, all right, a solar collector that, that they used for specific purposes, right? Right, and and to my theory, my hypothesis, and okay. this is all testable or it wouldn't be a hypothesis, is that they used that as a means to communicate across a distance of about 10 miles as an average. But they had a linked network that stretched not only across all of their territory, but everybody they ever traded with, and they traded far or far into North America. Well, isn't there talk that the monoliths that have been found around the world, as well as the different countries where pyramids have been found were part of a communication network uh, that is the uh, statement but i haven't seen anything that spells out exactly how it was done that's the difference between what i'm doing i can tell you exactly mm-hmm. how they did it right down to how many strokes of a shutter it took to make a character in wow. my end i might add would that be like semaphore y- yes unbelievable <laughs> It'd be a lot like semaphore, except that their alphabet was not an alphabet. It was a syllabic. They mm-hmm. had symbols for each syllable of their language. And each syllable had four or five different meanings depending on context. So they were the early cell phones. Yes. Unbelievable. So, so basically, and I've said this many of times, my friend, we are looking back to the past to discover our future. Yes. And... and and this is where the preppers should be paying very close attention. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff worked without electronics. <laughs> there were, wow. you know, it was all reflected sunlight or, in some cases, artificial light and mirrors. Would those mirrors but, have also been used as weapons? Um, they were far more effective as communications devices than they would be as weapons. Yeah. Just now, there were some exceptions. For instance, mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, we know that someone made a 36-foot diameter mirror, focusing mirror. We don't know whatever happened to it or, or why it wasn't used. Wow, if you broke that mirror, you'd sure as hell have more than seven years' bad luck. You'd, you'd think. And the mirror that was in the, uh, uh, the lighthouse at Alexandria, we think, was a little over 11, mir- 11 meters in diameter. Wow, that's some mirror. That's a lot of glass. Listen, you and I have to take our final break, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us. Great talking to you again. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Rick Osmond. He is the author of The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. His, val, not value, valley. His website is ancientamerica.com. And Rick and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon on the other side of this break right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and always on Radio X. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, everyone. Rick Osman is our special guest, uh, www.ancientamerica.com. First of all, Rick, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Exxon. It's always a great pleasure having you with us. I wish you continued success. And do me a favor, keep getting the truth out there, my friend, because <laughs> it's people like you who are a light in a very dark world. I'm just having fun, you know. Way to go, my man. Listen, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to ancient history, Let's look at the stars for a second here. Do you believe okay. or have you ever found any connection between what has happened here on planet Earth and the extraterrestrial connection? <laughs> wow. Um, I was privileged to have made the acquaintance of a guy by the name of Dr. Tom Van Flander. And he was, now this wasn't, you know, I didn't shake his hand, press the flesh acquaintance. Right. This was over the internet email uh, phones and whatnot. The electronic and, handshake. Yes. And Tom Van Flandern had been the chief astronomer for the Naval Observatory for the United States Navy. Mm-hmm. And he retired. That gave him a little more leeway than if he was still in the employee of the U.S. government. He started what they called, what he and his colleagues called the Meta Foundation. 
And part of it was dedicated to, first of all, Tom's hypothesis of what he called the exploding planets hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Secondly, was the artifacts of Mars. And we hear about the face sure, on Mars, the, the Mars, singular yeah. artifact on Mars. It's like, no, oh crap, no. This place is covered with stuff. And Tom cataloged, you know, thousands of photographs from orbital platforms around Mars and then died suddenly of cancer. And one of his colleagues died suddenly of cancer and whatnot. But what do I see about what's out there and what has been out there? At some point, 70,000 years ago, the human genome on this planet mm -hmm. bottlenecked down to a population somewhere around 5,000 individuals. Suddenly. That's it? <laughs> suddenly. What? Yeah, pretty much. So, and it's not the only time in our genetic history, but it's the most recent. So do we look back in the Bible, we hear about the Nephilim. Um, those who descended from the sky, when we look at biblical text, do we kind of have to put what we read into today's uh, equivalency, today's translator, and take what it says there, apply it to today's standards, and say, all right, I get it. <laughs> well, I'm, I hope somebody gets it, because there's a, a thousand different ways to interpret the same piece of information. And during the break, we were actually talking about U.S. government. Let me yes, use we that as an example. Sure. The United States Constitution is, what, 230 years old? Mm -hmm. And in that 230 years, we've already started arguing about the meaning of each and every word in the damn thing. <laughs> so how do you interpret something that is 6,000 years old? With great difficulty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, during the last couple of years talking about government, one of the uh, main things that President Trump has said is that he wants to build a wall between the United States and Mexico. And, and I really laughed when the Pope came out and said, well, there should never be a wall between any countries. <laughs> and and then, then I realized, hey, wait a second, there's a wall around the Vatican. So what the hell is this guy talking about? We had the Berlin Wall, the Great Wall of China. So, you know, like, why is We it... also had walls right across the state of Indiana, right across the state of Illinois. That's part of what I've been studying. These things were almost contiguous all the way across two states. Exactly. A you thousand know, years ago. My wife has a great saying. Good fences make good neighbors. Yeah. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> well, and you can also follow that in, in historic maps, uh, particularly through the what mm -hmm. I call the, the fast assemblage places like Iowa. You know, poof, yeah. no white settlement overnight. And, uh, but that white settlement in Iowa, as an example, has ancient lead mines, you know, 1,200, 1,800-year-old lead mines mm -hmm. before there was any, you know, market historical market, at least, for lead. And we don't know why. Let me ask you this. You, you, we've, we've been talking about archaeology, history. Let's bring history to today. Based on, the, based on the lessons that we should have learned from history, when you hear President Trump talking about the wall between the United States and America, I'm, I'm going to say what I think first. That way they're you can go either way. I think it's a great idea. I, I think that a wall, like I said, like my wife says, is a fence, and fences make good neighbors. But it also keeps the riffraff out. If you want to come into Canada, if you want to come into the United States, there is a set way of doing it. That is the Correct. way you do it. Yeah, it's called the law. That's Follow right. The law. That's right. That's right. Is it, it? I think where you're going is from an historical perspective. Exactly. Is there a chance in hell that this wall will work? Yes, exactly. And my answer is yes, exactly. The wall is not there as a military asset. First of all, they never work as a military asset. They work as a policing asset. Mm -hmm. Hadrian's Wall across northern England was not militarily sound, and it had a fort every mile, a fort for you know a small force. Yep. It was not a military 
establishment. It was not a military emplacement. It was a civil emplacement. It had gates, and it regulated the amount of trade that went through those gates from north to south and south to north in England. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Mr. Trump's wall. I was listening to CNN today because for some reason that's the channel the news department here at the X at Relmar likes to listen to. And they had different commentators talking about the wall, about it's going to cost this much, the president lied, it's going to cost that much, the president lied. And I looked at the news director and I said, big deal, it's going to work. So what the hell's the difference? How much is going to cost? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, it, it, let's think of it as a toll road. Exactly. <laughs> You know, and, and then the, the there were certain senators who were saying, well, you know, this part is desert. We've got drone patrols. We don't need a wall. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. You've then got... you don't need that sound barrier around the interstate by your house. Because it, that's, <laughs> that's what that wall is, basically. Exactly. You know, so you're telling me you've got a wall all over this closed space. And you don't think that everyone's going to converge on this open space because it's desert, it's hard terrain, that no one uses it right now? Mm. Give your head a shake. <laughs> yeah, the, the historical um, utility of such a wall has been pretty good. I mentioned Hadrian's Wall, but you also had walls that crisscrossed all over Europe mm -hmm. that even militarily, they would serve the purpose of at least guiding the enemy to a certain point. Right. In some cases. And that's what, you know, uh, the anti-Sherman forces did during the Civil War in the South. They, they built revetments that guided Sherman's army around a certain point. Do we learn from wars? Not enough. Yeah. I mean, seriously. If, if we learned everything we could learn, there wouldn't be any more wars. Yeah. You know, another story on the major news networks today was the... Um, Apparently, there was a U.S.-led airstrike where civilians were killed. Uh, does anybody remember what happened with the V-2 rockets in Ling England? <laughs> well, it, yeah, that was one know, of those experiments. You know, like, come on, uh, guys. It, it, it's, it's war. Right. And that's the difference between war and a policing action. If you're going to commit to war, you have yeah. to commit to killing your enemy, your enemy's family, your enemy's dog. I, for one, am glad that President uh, President Trump is looking at putting boots on the ground in Syria. I think it's about time. And I think that President Obama showed his true colors when he let Assad cross that line in the sand that he made, what, two, three times? <laughs> yeah. And it was yeah. only after that that where President Putin started saying, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> touchy, touchy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not on this network. <laughs> no, but, you know, President Putin kind of looked at these crossings of, his sa uh, of Assad's foot over the, over the line of well, the sand. Yeah, and what, saying, well, what he saw was nobody reciprocated. Exactly. Nobody about it. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, I'll I'll make this rule. Oh, did I make a rule? I forgot. <laughs> hey, listen, you and I have got to say so long for tonight, my friend. Do me a favor. Come back and see us soon. I would love to do that. Yeah. Rick, you're always welcome to Let our listeners know how they can find out about you and how they can get a copy of your book, The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. Sure. You can follow some of my antics on Ancient America. Dot com, or you can follow me on ancientamerican.com, that's the magazine, as well as, uh, you, let's see, the Oopaloopa Cafe on Facebook and a couple others, uh, Graves of Golden Bear on Facebook. I'm all over the place. Hey, Rick, so, take care of yourself, my friend. Great talking to you, and congratulations on all the great things you're doing. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Rob. Bye-bye, bud. Exonation Rick Osmond has been our guest this hour. www.ancientamerican.com is the website, and he is the author of The Graves of the Golden Bear, Ancient Fortresses and Monuments of the Ohio Valley. Well, that's it for tonight, Exonation. Wow. Thank you, Craig. You just scared the hell out of me. Let's try this again. <laughs> All right, Exonation. Thank you very much for joining us. It's always great having you with us. And um, it's been a great three hours tonight. Three great guests, three hours up and down. 
As always, I want to thank my senior producer, the one and only Laura Rogers, my senior segment producer, the lovely and talented. All right, she's my daughter. Her name is Stephanie McConnell. Thank you, Steffi. You're doing a great job. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight here in the Exxon. So until tomorrow night, always keep your eyes to the sky and your light and your heart to the light. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.